Good morning. Thank you, Amanda. Amanda and I go way back, and she was so nice standing up here because she could have told some stories. I was kind of worried a little bit, I must say. But thank you so much. It's such a privilege being here. Ginger, thank you for asking me to speak, and it's so nice to see a lot of friendly faces that I've known throughout many, many years. A lot of these women I looked up to when I was a teenager, and and they just meant, they mean the world to me. All, all you ladies, thank you so much. Well, my name is Stephanie, as uh, Amanda said, and like I said, I'm grateful to be here. If you have any questions at all, feel free to ask me during lunch. I am like an open book, so <laughs> just want to put that out there. But we're talking about Proverbs 31:25, and if you read the whole passage about this wife of noble character, anybody ever read it? Proverbs 31, 10 through 31. Anybody ever read that portion of scripture? And if you read that portion of scripture, you can be like, oh my word, I have to do what? (laughs) Or it could be overwhelming and you can make you feel inadequate. But just know these two things, because we're not focusing on that whole portion, but I do want you to know this, just know two things. Number one, it was written by a mother to her son, And of course, mommies want the best for their little pookie bears, right? They want the best wife. So of course, the standards are going to be way up there. And number two, these are only principles. They're not step-by-step things that we literally have to do. For instance, um, one of the principles is she's a hard worker, if you read this proverb. And I'm sure I'm looking through all these women here today. I'm sure most of you are hard workers, right? Yes. Another thing, she loved her husband and she loved her um, kids and her family. She made them a priority. And I'm sure I can look around at all these faces and know that you do that as well with your family. So it doesn't seem too impossible, right? Another standard is she she used godly wisdom and she was a good steward of her mother, um, her mother, of her um, money. And I must say that when I read that portion, she bought a field and planted a vineyard? I got to do what? I'm like, no way. But if she's a good steward of her money. You don't have to have um, talent in the real estate business, just so you know. Just be a good steward of your money. So these are principles. But the most important principle in that whole passage is in verse 30, when it says she feared the Lord. That's what it's all about, having a reverence and respect and a deep love for our God. That's how this portion of scripture portrays, portrays a noble woman. It's only through the Lord. And of course, today, we are focusing on verse 25. She is clothed with strength and dignity. Such a beautiful, beautiful verse. And I, for one, was intrigued by the phrase, she is clothed with. I, I like fashion, I must say. I, <laughs> I, like to, I like to be a little bit on the up and up when it comes to my clothing. My 16-year-old daughter may disagree, and she'll be like, Mom, you're not trending. And she'll say it just like that. And then I say, well, Michaela, I grew up in the 80s. Trust me, I look fresh, right? <laughs> no big hair, no big sweaters, big belt buckles. I even had the glasses that took up half my face. I'm like, honey, you haven't seen anything. And no, I have not showed her those pictures. I think I might have got rid of most of them. But I'm like, Michaela, trust me, mom looks better than she did. But I, anyway, I wanted to show you some fashion trends that are a little bit crazy today. I think these come from 2019. And I just, I just want to show you these because I have a quirky sense of humor. That's just who I am. So I want to show you a little bit about myself. And it's just fun to laugh sometimes, right? So um, I have picture number one. This was a trend on the runway. And uh, yeah, a bubble dress. Isn't that great for COVID-19? All you have to do is Lysol it and wipe it down. You're you're protected. There's even like a little face shield. (laughs) Gotta love it. I mean, that actually walked the runway. Come on. So the next picture we have, I kind of actually like these. How many like blue jeans? I love blue jeans. Blue jeans for the feet. Look, there's pockets and everything. You can't, you can't butt dial in those. <laughs> Trust me, it is a thing. I'd done it before. I, I, yeah, I was working at church, and 
this this girl, Michelle, she's like, I hear this voice, Stephanie, Stephanie. I'm like, who is that? Here I call somebody because I sat down on my phone. It was just, it, it really is a thing. So anyway, I love blue jeans. Blue jeans for the feet, I don't know. Here's the next look. Don't ask your husband if you look fat in this because <laughs> you're going to look fat in that. It takes up your whole body. I would have the biggest hot flash in there. <laughs> I don't know if I could. I would, that would be a second on my body. I don't know. But yeah, that's a, that's a, that was a trend in 2019, believe it or not. I think I have one more picture. This is like one of my favorites. I, oh, no, this is not the one. Oh, the holes. Look at the bottom part. How does the dress stay like that when you're walking? You think it would just flip on over. But I, I was telling my daughter, I had a hard time accepting jeans with holes in them. I can imagine having a dress with holes in them. Although I must say I came around to holy jeans. I think I brought my first pair last year. And I, I don't mean to be too transparent, but I get hot flashes. And I'm like, these holy jeans are great because the air just, <laughs> just goes through. So I bought myself a second pair. Now I'm like in love with jeans with holes in them, seriously. But I don't know about a dress. But anyway, the last one for the runway is this one. <laughs> so, you know, that one, it, it, scarf, it, it takes up your whole body and you could wrap that around his face and that could be his face mask as well. But I showed my daughter this, I'm like, Michaela, now you don't have to take your sleeping bag to Pendel Camp, you can just wear it. Isn't that awesome? For the life of me, she could not roll up her sleeping bag. It goes to camp, all nicely rolled up and it comes home just sprawled out everywhere. I'm like, roll up your sleeping bag. She goes, I did. It just came out. So isn't that a great solution? Has the pillows and all. But fashion trends are nice. And of course, now we have a new fashion trend here in 2020 with the, the face mask. I must say, I still wear the disposable ones. I'm not ready to make it a fashion statement. But here are some, here are some examples how people made a fashion statements. I mean, this one's just ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> Could you imagine walking in church with that? <laughs> How would you breathe? It would get all foggy in the inside. I just don't get it. And then the, it's open on the side, and you think all oh, the germs will go in there, but whatever, yeah. Then we have some more funny ones. There's another one here. <laughs> yeah, I mean, wait, wait. I, I would love to walk in my staff meetings with that mask on. I really would. <laughs> And then um, this one is a little girl. This, can you believe that? Do you ever want a beard and look stunned the whole day long? I mean, that would be fun. <laughs> and just one more. This, this is like the cream of the crop. There you go. <laughs> I just hope they're clean. <laughs> anyway, that, that, there's a look for you if you don't want to buy a mask. Yeah. So it's just crazy. Hasn't it been crazy this year? <laughs> 2020 has just been a real roller coaster. But anyway, she is clothed. She is clothed in strength and beauty. Not any of those crazy things, but she is clothed in strength and beauty. And the, the last part of that is she can laugh at the days to come because she has the strength of the Lord and she has the strength to overcome and she has the strength to stand up for what's right and do it with dignity, do it with godly character. Whatever comes in the future, she's not worried about because she has, you know, the Lord as her strength. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. So this first session, we're going to talk about she is clothed with strength. And then I guess you guys can know what we're talking about next session. <laughs> she is clothed with Dignity. There you go. So um, when I first think of strength, I don't know what you guys, what do you guys think of when you hear the word strength? What's the first thing that pops into your head? Muscles. Yeah, strong. So I Googled it and I'm like, oh, I'm sure it'll give me like a picture of a weightlifter or something. But no, I Googled strength. And what came up was um, like 10 ways to, to um, I forget what I said, to be good at an interview with strength and weaknesses. Like, really? That's not the first thing I think of as my strengths and weaknesses for a job interview. I think of muscles and weightlifters and um, being able to hold plank <laughs> for more than a minute. <laughs> I'm terrible at plank, so I'm really impressed if, if people can do that. That's, that's what I think of. So here we go. Number one, she is clothed with strength. So like I said, I was intrigued with that phrase, she is clothed with. And the Bible has 
all kinds of analogies when it comes to clothing or garments. There's, there's so much in the Bible, in the Old Testament and the New Testament. I'm just going to give you a, a few, you know, just to um, give you an introduction here. One of them is, you know, clothe yourself with the armor of God. Everybody knows that from Ephesians 6, right? And then there's a verse that I really, really love in Isaiah 61. It says, put on the garment of praise, which we did t- today. I- I'm telling you, that worship was, was incredible. <laughs> the presence of God, I just, I just felt all over me, and it was just awesome. Thank you, ladies. By the way, I wanted to say that. So put on the garment of praise. And not to get in a tangent, but three years ago, I had um, a cousin that I've known for many years, that we, we were pretty close. Uh, he committed suicide. He had a, um, an alcoholic addiction and just got the best of him. And I just remember just feeling so down and, and out because of, of his death. And I remember telling myself, put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, you know, put on the garment of praise. And that just gave me such comfort um, during, during that journey. It's a, it's, a, it's a beautiful thing, right? Put on the garment of praise. Another one comes in Colossians chapter 3. Now, there's a whole list in Colossians chapter 3. I'm not going to give all of them, but some of them are like, clothe yourself with compassion, clothe yourself, clothe yourself with kindness, um, with patience, and, and on and on. So these are some of the analogies that we get with clothes. And those things are our choice. Like, we have to wake up and choose I'm going to put on the garment of praise. I'm not going to walk around with my head hung down. I know that God is the glory and the lifter of my head, right? And we have to choose to put on kindness and compassion and all those things. But then there's this wonderful verse that's going to be up on the screen from Isaiah 61.10. I just think it's so beautiful. And it says, I delight greatly in the Lord. My soul rejoices in my God. For he, meaning God does this, God puts this on us. For God has clothed me with garments of salvation and arrayed me in a robe of his righteousness. That if you just close your eyes and just picture that, you know, when you're calling out in the name of the Lord, God, I need you. I, I want to serve you. I, I want you to be the Lord of my life. He takes off those filthy rags that we have on, right? And he puts those garments of salvation and the robe of righteousness. It's such a beautiful picture picture and it just amazes me and I think about this woman that what it was written about she is clothed with strength and that's what I think of God put that robe on us of strength the strength that comes from him so my whole point in this um, section is you can't use your own strength this is something that you don't put on yourself this is something that God puts on you and you have to trust that it's there because all these things that we go through, we can't do it in our own strength. We can't do it with our own mind and our own wisdom. We need God. So she is clothed in strength. She's not clothed in muscles. I don't know why I'm saying this. just came into my head. but I do skits and stuff with, with, with a lot of the youth, and we wanted to make this one kid um, look muscular. I'm like, how are we going to do that? You know, if you blow up balloons and you stick them under a shirt, it really it really looks like muscles. <laughs> I don't know why I'm saying that, but if you ever want some muscles, just, you know, just blow up some balloons, stick them under your shirt, and it really works. It really makes a good illusion. But that's not th- what this is talking about. God has not given us muscles. It doesn't mean that we are faster than a speed and bullet or stronger, you know, than a locomotive, or we can leap tall buildings in a single bound. That's not what it's talking about. It's talking about the strength of God that he gives us. It's not about physical human strength at all. Not one little ounce of it is us. So it's like when the Lord commanded Joshua in Joshua chapter 1, three times God commanded Joshua to be strong and courageous. He wasn't telling him to do 100 push-ups or hold plank for five minutes or anything like that. He was telling him, I've already given you the strength. Now be, right? Be strong. Be courageous and see what I can do because, now I'm paraphrasing here, because Joshua, you can't do this on your own. It's impossible. So you've got to rely on my strength. And ladies, that's what we have to do. We have to rely on God's strength. So this woman in Proverbs, she is clothed with strength, means that she embraced God and she embraced his strength and she did not do it on her own. That's what this means. 
And it sounds really beautiful, doesn't it? She is clothed with strength. I mean, it just sounds so so fuzzy and warm and, <laughs> and beautiful. But I'm telling you, the strength comes from walking through the fire of trials and hardships and troubles, and it's not really beautiful sometimes. It can be really ugly and really hard and really difficult. So it's not really all about, you know, fuzzy wuzzies and, and beauty. It's about um, hanging on to the Lord and because what you're going through is can be ugly. I'm sure you guys have situations like that. But here, what, this is what it means to be strong in the Lord. Um, Romans 5.3 says this, and this blows my mind away, and I'm still, I'm still trying to be proficient at this, but it says, we, I'm sorry, but we also glory in our sufferings. <laughs> we glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, and perseverance produces character, and character hope. So it's not like God's allowing these things to happen in our lives, you know, just to toy with us. He is shaping us, and he is molding us, and, and there is a purpose um, far beyond what we can um, imagine. And we, how do you have that perseverance? It's only from the strength of God. You really need to be strong to persevere when you're going through something for so long or or things happen over and over and over again. You need to persevere. That only comes from the strength of the Lord and character. That's, you know, dignity, that godly character. It only comes from the strength of the Lord. So the glory and the sufferings is that strength that we can't muster on our own. It's not in our human nature, our sinful human nature, I should say, to glory in our suffering. It needs to come from the Lord. How do you get up on those dreadful mornings? How do you do it when the weight of the world is on you? Or maybe your world is crumbling right before your very feet or, or your heart broken or your dreams are shattered in the wind and you're like, how am I going to do it? Well, it's not through your strength. It's only through the Lord. It can only happen through God's strength. I want to talk about Joshua a little bit. So here we go. Joshua... You know, God's saying, be strong and courageous. And, I, you know, as I said before, because you can't do this on your own. And I think God really wanted to show Joshua and the Israelites that all these battles that lay before them, because they were trying to take over the promised land, and there wasn't just one battle. There was many battles, and they're going to need the strength of the Lord. And they cannot even for one second think that it can come from them. So Joshua is told, is told God's plan, and... And um, it's, it's ridiculous, isn't it? So it's just, if you think about it, it's really ridiculous. How many know the, the story of Joshua and the, the walls of Jericho? You know that story? So God's telling them, don't put on your, your armor. Don't put any warfare attire on. You don't even take a weapon because this is what you're going to do. And I'm not going to go specifically because God had this real organized plan. Who's going to stand where and the priests are going to carry the Ark of the Covenant and um, they're going to blow trumpets and then shout. And he's like, you're going to walk around. You and the Israelites are just going to walk around for six days once around the wall of Jericho. Just walk around. And then on the seventh day, you're going to walk around seven times. And on the seventh time, you're going to blow those trumpets and you're going to say your war cry. Arr! And then the walls are going to come tumbling down. What did Joshua think? That's ridiculous. He's a commander of an army. <laughs> There's no other plan that just, that's just, it just, I can't even comprehend what his look was on his face. What, God? Did I hear you right? Can you just repeat yourself just to make sure I got that right? But, you know, Joshua learned a lesson. The strength of God took down those walls just by them walking around it and being obedient to the Lord, and it became rubble. A lot of us, we have walls in our life. I, I don't know what they are. They're probably different for each one of us. We cannot bring those walls down. Only we can bring them down with the strength of the Lord. And they become rubble. And you can just kick them and walk right on over them, you know, with victory. And that's what the Israelites did. They took those, those rocks on the ground. They kicked them and they jumped over them and they, they, they took over the city. And it's a great picture of what we have to do when we're clothed in strength, 
just listen to the Lord, trust in him, and, and, and listen to his plan. 2 Corinthians 12.9 says this, and this is Paul writing, obviously, and this first part, God is speaking to Paul. So he's speaking to us, too, so you can just put yourself in there. This is God saying, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. And then Paul is saying, therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is being clothed with strength. When you can say, I am going uh, to boast in my weaknesses. So then we have boast in your weaknesses. And earlier we had what? Um, be glad in your sufferings. That only can happen with the strength of the Lord. So she is clothed in strength. The, uh, the strength of God. This is not a garment you can buy at the mall. I'm sure you guys all know that. It's not a garment that you can earn with works or, or study for or, or take sewing lessons. It's not like that at all. It's a garment given by the Lord, and it gets noticed by others when you're walking through the trial or coming out of the trial. It's not like a garment like I can say, oh, I love your shirt. That purple shirt is just so pretty. I love the lace. You know, people aren't going to see this garment. They're not going to say, oh, look at that garment of strength that you're wearing today. No, they're going to say, how did you get through that? How did you do that? And then you say, it's the strength of the Lord. And that's when the garment looks adorned and beautiful. That's how people see it. And that's how the testimony comes. She is clothed in strength as a statement to depict a woman who has been tested with hard circumstances and tested with suffering and, and with troubles. But she did not fall and she did not waver and she did not crumble. She stood firm in the solid rock of Christ with victory in her hand and a song in her mouth, a new song in her mouth. And she's standing and she's saying, I am clothed with strength even at my weakest point and I am not going to be defeated. That's the mindset of being clothed with strength. You know, I um, watched um, a, a wonderful friend of mine. She stood up in, in our church in front of everybody at her husband's funeral. And she stood up with poise and with clarity and she was not just telling of the wonderful things about her husband but she was telling of the faithfulness and and the and the wonderful love of God during her husband's funeral in her weakest saddest hour she is clothed with strength and I'm telling you um, I was sitting back there with some friends, and I'm like, wow, Mary, that is so awesome. How is she doing that? And she would even say, it is only through the strength of God. That is being clothed with strength. And that only happened a, a, a few weeks ago. And then years ago, I worked with a friend, a coworker, when I was working at a Christian school. And she was going through troubled waters of a, of a pregnancy that the doctor said would lead her um, baby after it would be born to, to die because her daughter's brain wasn't fully developed in her womb. And even though the baby was alive as she was carrying it, it would die after birth because it wouldn't be, she wouldn't be able to breathe. And so doctors are trying to convince her to abort this baby. And of course she did not, and her and her husband, obviously that was out of the question, but she walked those halls and she walked um, in, in, in that school and, and with her family in the community, praising God for the time she had to carry her baby alive. She was praising God for, for the time, the precious moments, those months that she could embrace this child. And even they even named her Victoria Grace because this was their phrase, God gives us victory by his grace. So they need their Victoria grace. And I'm telling you, when I, I would see her and I would see her husband, I'm like, how are they doing it day by day? And it was just the strength of God. They couldn't have done those months on their own. And God did not heal little Victoria. But I tell you, when she was born, God gave her seven days and it amazed the doctors. She was even able to go home. To, to be with her family, and, and she um, died peacefully um, in her mom's arms um, after the seventh day. And here's the incredible thing why she died 
God birthed a ministry in her husband and herself, a ministry in Peru that's still going strong today. You just don't know what God's going to do. And it might just seem like the toughest time, and you're like, I can't do it. Well, you're right. You can't do it. It's only through the strength of God. It's only if you say, God, I need you. I need only you. Get me through this, and he will. It's not about how you feel. You could be like, I don't feel strong, or, or I just feel weak, but that's okay. You can feel weak. You can cry. I'm not saying that you can't have your, your bad days. It happens. But what I'm saying is that you don't have to stay there, that you can rise up. You don't even have to stand if you're too weak. You can lean, lean on the everlasting arms of God. That is not a sign of weakness. That is strength. That's what we can do. That's being clothed with strength. It's not, don't get this um, muscular Wonder Woman in your head. It's not that at all. I like the story of Ruth. <laughs> um, Ruth chapter one, let me just set, set it up before I show you the, the um, scripture. But <sighs> Ruth, I'm sorry, Naomi and her husband Amalek, they were Jews and they were living in Bethlehem and there was a drought. And there was no food. So Amalek decided to take his family, his wife, and his two sons to Moab, which was a Gentile pagan city. But he thought they could make a living there, and that's what they did. So while they were in Moab, his two sons married two Moabite women. One was Ruth. <laughs> the other one was Orpah. And then Naomi's husband dies. Her two sons die, and now it's just the women. And Naomi is telling her daughter-in-law's, Go back to your families. Go back to your gods because I have nothing for you. You can remarry. You can have kids. You can have, you can have a life. And then Orpah decides to go back. But this is the words of Ruth. So I'm going to show you. Um, verse 16, just let me read it to you. These are the words of Ruth. Ruth replied, don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severe, severely, if even death separates you and me. Then Naomi realized that Ruth was determined to go with her and she stopped urging her. Ruth was clothed in strength. We can see it in these passages. Even the most devastating reality could not shake Ruth's character here. It could not shake what she knew about the one true God. Remember, she was a Gentile. She wasn't born a Jew. She only lived with this family for 10 years. But somehow she knew who the real God was, and she did not want to turn back. I mean, what strong words. So um, Ruth wanted... Ruth knew she wanted Naomi as her mom, the lifestyle as a Jew, and she knew that she wanted to serve the one true God, the one, even though she couldn't see any hope. Ruth, um, Ruth, I keep getting the names mixed up, sorry. Naomi just, <laughs> just gave her this bleak, bleak picture. She's like, but I have nothing. What are you going to do? I can't have another child, but if I could, what are you going to do? Wait for him to grow up so you can marry him? And she's like, there's nothing. But it didn't shake Ruth at all. She didn't care. Living those 10 years with this family, she knew she did not want to go back to those other gods because she wanted the one true God and she wanted to be with Ruth no matter what the odds were, no matter if the truth of the reality was there's no hope. She was going. It, it reminds me of John chapter 6. This is, a, this is a passage that I repeat to myself a lot when, when I'm down and out or if I'm doubting myself or whatever. But Jesus in John 6, he has all these followers following him, and they're sitting around, and they're listening to his teachings. And his teaching is getting really hard for some people. And they're like, and they didn't understand it. And Jesus was talking about, you know, you got to eat of my body and drink of my blood. And, and they, they were like, this is too hard. And all these people started to leave and not follow Jesus anymore. And then look at verse six, uh, 68. I'm sorry, 67. This is what Jesus then tells his disciples, or ask, I should say, his disciples. He says, do you want to leave too? 
Oh, you wait, you do not want to leave too, do you? He asked the 12, because everybody else was leaving. In other words, he was saying, is this too hard for you? And then Peter says these wonderful words, these wonderful, beautiful, awesome, strong words. And he goes in verse 68, Lord, to whom should we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. Where else is there to go? Of course we're not going to go. We're going to stay with you because you and you alone are the one true God. There is no one higher than you. And sometimes we got to remind ourselves of that when we're going through um, a rough time. There's no one higher than you, Lord God. We might think that he doesn't see us or or he's forgotten about us or or whatnot. Well, we got to remind ourselves there's nowhere else to go but to the Lord. He is all powerful powerful. He is all the awesome one, and he is more than enough. Where else can we go? I remember going through some trials, and I'm telling myself that. I'm like, God, do you see me? Do you hear me when I pray? And sometimes we just doubt. And then in my head, I'll remember these words. There's nowhere else to go. There's nowhere else to pray to. This is it, and it's enough. I just got to trust. I just got to stop planning my plans and stop leaning on my strength and start being clothed with strength that God has given me. That's what that means. So when we have a personal relationship with the one true God, which I'm sure most of us in here do, no matter what happens, don't go back. You can't go back. This is the heart and mindset that we need to have and to know God and his word and believe on those promises. This is when we should be praying and, and, and worshiping and digging deep. And this is what Colossians 2, 6 to 7 says. We need to be rooted and built up in Christ, strengthened in our faith. That's what we need. It's not time to crumble or run away. It's time to press in even more. Even if you don't have the feeling, you know what I mean? It's not about feelings, it's about truth. If any of you are contemplating, turning away or going back, don't. You are clothed in strength as a believer. You are clothed in strength. He is not through with any of us yet because we're still here, right? You're still breathing, (laughs) You, you just had a wonderful breakfast. Thank you, everybody who made the wonderful food. He has things for us to do, and we need to trust him and lean on his strength. Um, Ruth did that, even though it was the, one of the most difficult things for her to do. If you, if you put it in her perspective, she lost everything. Her husband's dead, right? Ruth, I mean, Naomi has nothing, but yeah, she's going to go to Bethlehem, As a Gentile, think about that for a moment. She had to have been scared to death as a foreigner, but she was willing to do it in the strength of the Lord because it was the right thing to do. When you're clothed in strength, you can stand and overcome, but you can also stand up for the right thing to do. That's what it means to be clothed in strength. And she was able to walk through those uncertain times, and she kept pressing on, and God's strength was with her. God brought her hope. And God brought her blessings. You know the story. He brought her Boaz, her kinsman redeemer, the one who bought her back and rescued her family and brought us the wonderful blessing of Jesus, right? And we'll talk about that a little bit later. But what Ruth went through was, was utter devastating, uh, was utter devastation, and yet she did it, not by her strength, but God's. We also have to understand that we are not enough. I mentioned that earlier. We are not enough. We try to do things on our own, don't we? And I'm speaking for myself. Too. We, try to, we try to make our own plans, do things on our own. We just make a mess of it, right? But being clothed in strength is, is totally relying on the Lord and knowing that he is enough. And I was just reading this re- recently. This I told Ginger, I said, I keep adding to my message. <laughs> I got to stop or these ladies are going to be here for two hours. But I just have to share this. I was just reading this recently. And I was like, oh, my word, this is just a, 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 a fresh revelation I had. But Matthew chapter 14, the feeding of the 5,000. You guys know the story. And people are... 5,000 men plus women and children are, are sitting, listening to Jesus teach, and it's getting late. And verse 15 of Matthew 14 says this. this the disciples are talking to Jesus. 
It says, as evening approached, the disciples came to Jesus and said, this is a remote place and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the villages and buy themselves some food. That was the disciples' plan. In verse 16, Jesus replied, they don't need to go anywhere. You give them something to eat. Verse 17, but we only have five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. And then Jesus said, bring them to me. I'm cutting the story a little bit short, but bring them to me. You know, I think Jesus was teaching them a lesson. They, they concocted their own plan. <laughs> Send them away, Lord, so they can get something to eat. I'm sure they had the best intentions in mind. They were probably hungry themselves, maybe a little hangry, right? And they were tired, and, and they had no means, right? So they're like, this is a good plan. Let's just tell Jesus. Just don't tell Jesus or God anything, right? You should be like, what do you think about this, Lord? Or what are your plans? But no, you know, sometimes you get overconfident and they just go and tell Jesus, this is a remote place. It's getting late. Send them away. <laughs> and Jesus is like, not necessary. Your plan is not necessary. You feed them. And the disciples are like probably thinking to themselves, we have no money. And if we did have money and we went to the villages, how are we going to carry everything back? This is just ridiculous. This is impossible. And they're like, Jesus, we only have five loaves and two fish. And that didn't rattle Jesus at all. But I really think Jesus was trying to give a point to his disciples. You are not enough. Your plans, although it sounds good, it's not my plan. It's not enough. And I think he really was saying, I think he said it on purpose so they could know. Um, feed the folks with just this? What? They realized that they were incapable, and they realized that they had insufficient funds, and they realized that, oops, now we need Jesus. We can't do it on our own. And then Jesus says, bring those five loaves and fish, bring them to me. And they put them in Jesus's hands and the, the food multiplied and the miraculous was done. Stop making your own plans. And I'm talking to myself and I'll give a testimony, the second part of this when I try to make my own plans, <laughs> but stop making your own plans. God is enough. <laughs> He doesn't need your plans. You know, he really does it. And, and when you put stuff in, in Jesus' hands, the same thing will happen. Things can multiply and the miraculous can be done. That's what happens when you put things in God's hands. That's what happens when you use his strength and his wisdom. The miraculous happens. You need a miracle? Put it in God's hands. It might not happen right away. It could take years. Or it could take minutes. I don't know, but you put it in God's hand and you will see the work of God in your life. Those are not my words. Those are Jesus' words. Bring them to me, right? And he put them in his hands. Well, a good lesson. Don't make your own plans. So let's just stop trying to do that and let's just stop, tr stop trying to make our own way. Oh, it'll be good enough. Who wants good enough? Who wants the miraculous? I want the miraculous, right? Proverbs 31.25 states that she is clothed in strength. And I'm, and I'm wrapping up. She is clothed in strength means that she used it by leaning on the supernatural strength of God, on his wisdom. And that's when everybody else noticed, right? That's when it gets noticed. And they're like, wow, I want that. And that's when you have a testimony. And that's when other people um, learn to lean on the Lord or even get saved. You know, this is what we need to be doing. I want to, um, this is making me more nervous than, than the whole message of sharing this part of my, my testimony. It's, it's something, and I, you know, I wrote some stuff out, but I'm like, God, I don't know how to share it. Um, because it's, it's just not my story. It's my brother's story. And sometimes it makes him uncomfortable. So I get a little weary, but I really feel like it's what God wanted me to share. So when I was in elementary school, late elementary school, my, my brother is eight years older than me. I have two brothers and two sisters, by the way. And um, he, he had a drug and alcohol addiction. And he was living in our home. And my parents did not know at first. Um, we hid it very well. And just give me a, a little preface. Is my dad worked during the day. My mom stayed home. 
while we were at school. And then my dad came home, we had supper, and then my mom and my dad both left they, uh, to do another job. So in the evenings, uh, we were home alone. We were old enough. I mean, my older brother and sister, my older brother and sister were old enough. But the point is, so when my brother was going through this addiction, he would come home and it would just be us kids and he would be violent and mean. And um, it was just hard. And this is the way we lived for, for years. And, you know, my parents eventually found out. And the reason why we didn't tell him is my, my other brother, he was three years older than me. He's like, don't tell. You just can't tell because, um, you know, dad would kick him out of the house. And he was just, you know, telling me all this. And he's, he was older than me, so I was listening. One, one point it got so bad. It, it, and it's really hard to live in fear. Maybe you guys know what that's like, you know, to live in fear because I was really afraid of him. He came home one time, and in the basement, we had a family room, and he passed out. And again, my parents were at work. My brother Rob comes up to me. He's like, we got to roll Wayne over because if he would vomit, he would choke on his vomit. And I was just in elementary school. I was really scared. And I'm like, and my brother was scared too because we didn't know if he would wake up, what would he do to us because we already suffered some abuse from him. And so I just remember this one of my scariest moments going down here or trying to, trying to roll him over. But this was our life for, for a long time until our parents found out. And then they, they tried to, to get him help. But he was in and out of the house. Um, they sent him away. Then he came back. And it's, it's just a really long story. He never really wanted to change. And he never really did change um, at that point in time. He's changed now. I can tell you that right now. He's changed now. But this was my life, and I was living in fear. And one point when I was around 12, I was in sixth grade, and, and I tried to share, share the love of Jesus with my brother. And he got really mad at me one time, and he, I was uh, standing behind a chair, and he pushed me back so hard I fell in the chair and the chair almost flipped over. I had to catch myself at the wall. And then he comes screaming right in my face, pointing his finger in my face, just screaming and yelling and, and cursing about, don't be speaking about, you know, the, the Lord. And, and you'll see, when, when you get older, you'll see that God won't be there for you. You'll see. And he's like going on and on and on. That really changed me. There's like something clicked in my head. And I was like, I'll show you. <laughs> you know, I was, ugh. It was a form of pride. I, sh I shouldn't have done that. And then later on that year, he got arrested, and he was um, put in prison. And I remember coming home from school, and my mom's telling the three of us kids who's, who were still at the house, oh, your brother got arrested. It's really bad for, you know, for drug possession and this and that. And I just saw my mom's face was like blank stare, she was like on autopilot, and I remember exactly what she was doing. She was rolling out dough to make homemade pot pie. For some reason, that, that memory just won't get out of my head. And I could just see the pain in her face, and I went up to my room, and I was like, God, I hate him. And then I started leaning on my own strength and my own understanding, and bitterness came in. Anger was there. I hated my brother for about a year. He would call from prison if I would answer the phone. I would just hang up on him. He would get so mad at me because it's a long wait, you know, to use the phone. And I just wouldn't even want to hear his voice. That's how bad it got. But I was, you know, I want to say I was a Christian, but, you know, you can't hate your brother and love the Lord at the same time. So I was, there was a tug of war inside me, and, of course, it affected my personality and other things. So by my eighth grade year, for some reason, I remember everything by school grades. I don't know why, but my eighth grade year, I remember going on this winter retreat with my youth group. <clears throat> and it's something I haven't really talked to my youth pastor about because um, I went to church every time I could just to get out of the house. The church was my safe place. And this was at Lancaster First Assembly. And it became my safe place. And I didn't want to talk about it. When I was in my safe place, I just wanted to forget and be happy, you know, have some joy. So I never really talked about it much. So I'm going through all this turmoil, and that was a mistake of myself. I, sh I was just too, too young and dumb to know any better. My parents didn't talk about it at all. Like, our family was in total shutdown, so it was like I was living alone in a house full of people. So there's no family support or anything. They were trying to deal with it on their own. It's just, it's just hard to explain. It was a very lonely time. But I'm at this winter retreat, 
So I'm in the cafeteria extra early. Um, I think I wanted to use the bathroom first or something before all the other girls. So I got up real early and then went to the cafeteria. And there is this youth pastor there. I had no idea who he was. His name was Pastor Steve, and he was from Erie, Pennsylvania. And God spoke to him through the Holy Spirit. And he comes over to me, and I can't remember exactly what he says, but he's like, you're struggling. You're struggling with unforgiveness. It's like, what? What? <laughs> I'm like looking behind me, <laughs> someone holding the sign, struggling with unforgiveness. <laughs> and I was like, oh, wow. And he started, I can't give the whole conversation. He started ministering to me and prompting me to forgive. And I, and I told him the story. I told him more than I'm telling you. And that night at, at service, there was an altar call. And I went and I said, God, I can't do this alone. Even forgiveness is really hard, isn't it? And through the strength of God, I was able to forgive my brother. And it was a weight just lifted off. And when my brother would call from prison, I would answer the phone and I would talk to him. <laughs> and um, I would learn to trust him again. And many times I have witnessed to my brother. And he would say, I'm just not ready. But at least he was open. <laughs> because at one point in time, he was, like I told you, he pushed me and yelled. And he was, not, he was totally shut down on the things of God. But forgiveness is, is very hard. You can't do it on your own strength. It doesn't make sense to forgive something like that. It only comes from the strength of God. And I can say I am clothed with strength only because the Lord gave me the strength to forgive. He gave me the strength to get through that time in my, in my home. I remember after that, I would try to get alone with God, and I would go, don't laugh at me, but I would go upstairs in my room. Now, my oldest sister, she's been out of the house since she was 18. She didn't see any of this, but she, she left her record player in my room with some records. Yeah, I said records. And I would sit and listen to Keith Green records. He's one of my favorite. And his songs became my prayers because I didn't know how to pray. So his songs became my prayer. Make my life a prayer to you. Um, Russian wind blow through this temple. You know, all those wonderful songs became my prayers. And I grew in the strength of the Lord, um, only in his presence. My family is total, totally reconciled now, I must say. You know, you would never know if you know my mom, <laughs> my dad. Um, my brother, we get together, we love each other, <laughs> we have fun. Like my, my brother was always, the, before this happened, he was always very smart in the life of the party. He very fun personality. And he's like that again. And he has no memories of what he had done. That was, he has no memories. Sometimes I'm a little bit jealous. I wish my memories would go because they still hurt me sometimes, you know. But then, then the Lord tells me, without those memories, you wouldn't know how awesome I am. I'm like, okay, God, <laughs> I'll keep the memories. But yeah, he doesn't, he doesn't recollect um, any, any of those memories. But my point is, no matter what you're going through, God's strength is enough, even though it seems like it's not. Even when you're at rock bottom, he just lifts you up. And that's one of my favorite psalms. You know, he pulled me out of the miry clay and he lifted me on the solid rock and he gave me a new song in my mouth. One of my favorites. So ladies, you are clothed with strength. No matter how hard it is or how hopeless it seems, right? Reach out to God. Keep doing the right thing. You're clothed with strength. Keep believing. A woman who's able to, uh, a woman of strength is able to bear up under any kind of pressure or adversity no matter what it is. Stand firm in the winds of opposition and pressure and continue serving the Lord and pressing in. And just say it to yourself, I am clothed with strength. And I look around some of these women that I do know, and I know, <laughs> I was telling Brittany, she should have given her testimony today. She is clothed with strength, isn't she, what she's been through? <laughs> and Ginger, I know you've been through so much. That's why I admired her so much growing up. She is clothed with strength. You're so blessed to have these ladies in your church. And you are too. You're clothed with strength. It's not a flippant phrase. It's strong and it's beautiful and, and it's, it's just awesome. So remember, you are clothed with strength. And I would like to pray with you if, if you wanted to. Um, I think we have time a little bit. <laughs> I'm a little long-winded today. I won't be as long-winded second half, I promise. But if you're suffering with anything or, or going through a hard time, we just want to pray quickly. 
um, for God to bless you and 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 to lift you up and and we'll we'll do for for this time we'll just have you stand up at your chairs and we won't do any touching or anything we'll just we'll just pray it it is not weakness to say I need help and I need prayer it's something I wish I would have done when I was young and I might not have been going through some of the things I have gone through if I would have just opened up but anyway if the Lord is here today we had wonderful worship his presence is thick he is a faithful, awesome God. When you put things in his hand, what does it do? It multiplies and the miraculous is done. So let, let, let me pray for you. If, you. if you have a need, you don't even have to vocalize what it is. You can keep it in your heart. But I, I'll just ask you to stand up at your chair and just let me pray over you. And I would just encourage you just to reach out your hands to the Lord, you know. I, I, I grew up with the old hands, right? <laughs> Reach out and touch the Lord as he goes by. You know that one? <laughs> oh, touch, touch the Lord. Lord, I just thank you so much, Lord God, for your word, because your word is true. Your word is alive. It is active, Lord. And it's for all these beautiful women today. When your word says that you hear us when we pray, when your word says that you are for us and not against us, when your word says that we are more than a conqueror, Lord God, Put these precious words in their hearts and their minds, Lord God, and let them know of your promises for their specific situation right now, God. Speak to them through your Holy Spirit, God, that, that you are at work, that you are not slumbering, that you have not forgotten them, that you see them right where they are, and you are at work in their lives, God. Stir within them, Lord God, the, the hope that only comes from you, Lord God, and clothe them, Lord God, with your strength, Lord. Under gird them, Lord God, with, with, with your strength. In the name of Jesus, Lord, let, let them know that they stand on your rock, Lord God, your rock that will not shake, Lord God, your rock that will not be broken, God, your rock that will stand firm in any winds or earthquake, God, that they will not fall and have devastation, Lord God, that there is hope and there is peace, Lord God, there is provision for their needs in Jesus' name, that there is healing, Lord God, that you are a God of the impossible and that you are pouring out your love in them right now, God, pouring in your strength right now in them, Lord. And I just pray that they would know that you have a plan, the perfect plan, Lord God, to get them through, the perfect plan, Lord God, to give them the right testimony for their lives so they can touch other people's lives as well. God, I just pray as they specifically right now say God this is my need I put it in your hands that you will now begin to multiply blessings on them Lord God and 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 do the miraculous in their situation I ask this Lord because I know that you are able I know Lord God that you are the God of the impossible and I ask right now for my sisters in Christ Lord God that they would walk out of these doors with a renewed strength Lord with confidence Lord that they have the garment of strength on their shoulders and I thank you in the name of Jesus for each of them for bringing them here today Lord bless us as we have fellowship at lunch and bless us Lord God as we hear your word again later on and we asked for your will to be done in this place in Jesus name amen